Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to my classroom. The Functional Retirement Podcast has returned. I'm your host, Thatcher Taylor. We have an interesting discussion today. And for the first little bit, you're probably like, why are we talking about this? But two things have happened recently. I've ran into this problem or this topic a lot, and I'm currently living it. But two, it's really important to get a larger understanding of the investment universe. So we're going to be able to use personal experience and we're going to be able to get a little bit more intelligent about where we're putting our money. Today, we're talking about REITs. Now, REIT is a real estate investment trust. A real estate investment trust is a very unique investment, but they're gaining a lot of traction. So I'm willing to bet that the majority of us listening, if not all of you listening, like to consume social media. A little social media here, a little social media there, peppers it in just a little bit, hopefully in moderation, just use your social media in moderation. But one thing that's been all over social media are the Chris Crones and the Grant Cardones and all of the real estate gurus. Everyone's been promoting the idea of having real estate as the ultimate investment. That's one of the reasons why we want to discuss this today is that it's in our everyday lives. One of the other reasons is I just ran across a client talking to me about a potential investment in a REIT and they were really limited on their information and were oversold what it provides because someone was going to get paid when they bought it. But also we just bought a house. My wife and I just bought a house here in Boise. But we've been renting. We moved to Boise almost a year ago, not quite a year ago, but we've been renting. The owners of the property, the house that we've been renting, is a real estate investment trust. So my personal experience, other people coming to me, and then what we've been hearing on social media are the main reasons that we're going to be diving deep into what a real estate investment trust is. And here's going to be the outline. So first, we're going to talk about what a REIT is. In REIT, R-E-I-T, I should tell you that, R-E-I-T, Real Estate Investment Trust. We're first going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about the three types of REITs. We're going to talk about the benefits and the risks, because there's always benefits and risks. We're going to talk about the taxation, because the full story in an investment isn't just buying the investment and looking for the performance. It's taxation as well. We're going to know how to invest in them if you choose to. And then we're going to go over two real world examples. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the comments below. But if you're listening to this, which the majority of you are going to be listening to this, down in the show notes, you'll be able to see the two links of what I'm going to discuss on the real world examples. As always, if you have questions during or after this, there's going to be an email for me below. Send me any questions. I'll be happy to help. But in addition, I want you all to be a part of these podcasts in the future. So if you just have general questions, if you're listening to this, hit me with some questions below. Sound good? All right, let's get into it. Okay, first, let's talk about what a REIT is. REIT, again, is an acronym, Real Estate Investment Trust. A real estate investment trust is just a complex name for a company that has a group of quote unquote smart people that are managing the underlying holdings and they sometimes sell 
and utilize a range of investment assets. They behave similarly to like a mutual fund or an ETF. And then that fund owner, excuse me, the fund manager can hold hundreds or thousands of different investments. But what makes a REIT unique is it's predominantly going to use mortgage-based investments. Individuals like you and I are able to invest in the shares of the company as a whole, as one big unit, instead of buying all the individual investments. Think of a REIT that owns a thousand different commercial properties. You most likely don't have the money to go buy a thousand different commercial properties, but you can buy a portion of the REIT and potentially share in its benefits. The REIT itself, the share that you will buy can grow or it can depreciate in value based on the performance of the REIT. You don't actually have to manage the underlying assets in any way though. The fund manager does that, does that, excuse me. The company will choose its projects. It's going to develop it out. It's going to help manage the tenants, make repairs. Sometimes they will just own the property and they'll outsource some of those other items. But other times REITs will be able to do it all on their own. The example of that is the rental I live in, the company, the REIT, the publicly traded entity, they manage the property themselves. They are very built out in their infrastructure and they handle it on their own. Some investors like to use REITs to diversify their portfolios while also helping hedge against market downturns and even inflation. So REITs are required to pay out at least 90% of their taxable income in the form of dividends. So this could make them a good potential source of passive income. So just to reiterate, REITs deal predominantly in real estate. And I'll talk about that in the REIT here later in the episode. But they could own commercial, residential, multifamily, or anything of the like. So here's some REITs that you may consider. There are three to choose from. We're going to talk about them a little bit more in a second. There's mortgage REITs, there's equity REITs, and then there's hybrids. Each has its own purpose and their benefits, depending on your investment style and goals. One may be a better choice for you and your portfolio than others. And the majority of these are publicly traded, so they're going to be purchased on a stock exchange or through a broker, dealer, your advisor. All right, so now we got a good understanding of a REIT an overlying company that holds a bunch of assets, how the underlying assets perform, you get to share in the growth or depreciation of that company. Now, again, there's three types. There's an equity REIT, a mortgage REIT, and a hybrid REIT. So an equity REIT focuses on building, developing, managing, repairing, and sometimes selling investment property. That's going to be more like what I have right now with my rent, the, the house that I live in here in Boise. And this company owns thousands of properties all over the country. So they're managing repairing, sometimes selling investment property. This is an equity REIT. You can go buy this REIT. I'm not going to mention who they are because I don't want it to be any sort of good or bad recommendation. I'm just going to tell you it's publicly traded and owners of the REIT are not responsible for any of the day-to-day management of the assets held in the REIT. It's very hands-off and it's a simple form of real estate investing. This is as opposed to you going out and buying properties yourself. You are the manager. You are responsible for the property. It's far more work. 
REITs also allow individuals to invest in properties and projects that they might not otherwise be able to afford. That's what I mentioned before is you're not going to be able in a lot of cases, just start buying up hundreds of properties that have a diversified portfolio. You got to start it off slow. The properties held and managed by a REIT could be residential, commercial, or even a blend of two types and could include the following single or multifamily homes, apartment complexes, commercial buildings, office spaces, storage buildings, shopping centers. Uh, equity REITs can be very diversified. As the properties in the equity REIT earn income through rent, which is what they all want. They want property appreciation, but they also want rent. They will distribute those rents or your portion of the rents to you as the owner of the REIT. Investors can also realize growth by shelling, selling those shares down the line at an appreciated price. So you can buy in and hopefully in years to come, you could sell the shares for more than what they're worth while receiving dividends along the way. A mortgage REIT is the next type of REIT. They don't own any physical assets. Instead, it originates or purchases mortgages or mortgage-backed securities, a uh, 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 big short, big short, big short, 2008, 2009. Nah, I'm just kidding. But they can buy mortgage-backed securities. These can either be residential or commercial in nature, and most are traded on major stock exchanges, the same as the equity REITs. Very similar to an ETF or a mutual fund where they trade on some sort of exchange where you can buy and sell them pretty simply. A hybrid REIT, a hybrid REIT is one that combines both. You got a little bit of equity. You got a little bit of mortgage. It's a hybrid of them both. It's going to blend them together. Do know that there's actually another type of REIT. It's a mutual fund or an ETF REIT. One example we'll discuss later is the Vanguard Real Estate Investment Trust. The ticker's VNQ. It's not a recommendation, but it is a REIT of REITs. So if you look at the underlying holdings, click on the link below. I'll put it down below if you want to check out what that those holdings are. You can see that it has a bunch of REITs put together in one big REIT. All right, so when it comes to the benefits and risks of REITs, there's always trade-offs. The pros and the cons are elaborate with anything in investing, but they're very specific here. The elaborateness of them comes with, do you really need them in your portfolio? So let's start with the benefits. We'll start with the benefits. They give a, they give a good setup for the cons. The benefits of a REIT is they're passive. They're very low actual activity. We discussed that a little bit before where you don't actually have to do much. You just have to buy and hang on for the ride and file your taxes and pay the tax bill. You don't actually have to manage any of the properties or any of the underlying investments within the REIT. The second benefit is what I just mentioned. You don't actually have to buy any property. You don't have to manage it. You don't have to sell it. You don't have to 1031 exchange it. Now, there are advantages to doing that. Some people like the tangibility of that. But if you need to diversify your portfolio with real estate and you don't want to start buying up and managing property, a REIT may be a good option. REITs, another pro is they are easy to buy. And they probably can just be bought through your regular brokerage, your advisor, or on exchange on your own. So it's very simple to be able to buy one of these REITs in the marketplace as long as you have the funds available. Another pro is they can pay high dividends, which comes with an asterisk, but we'll talk about in a second. 
these high dividends could be solid income if you have a lot of money invested. So let's say a REIT pays 6%. If you invest a million dollars, you might get $60,000 a year as long as you own that REIT. Not suggesting that, I'm just using mathematics to give you a perspective. REITs can also help with diversification and they're cyclical to any unusual market volatility. So a lot of times REITs work opposite of the marketplace. The correlation is somewhat high. They don't move in the same direction all the time. But if the SP 500 is up, a REIT may not be up in the same fashion. It could function a little bit differently. Now, let's go over some of the cons. Some of the risks are basically the same things we just discussed, but the other side of the fence. They are passive, which means you will not usually look at this investment. So it's if it's performing poorly or it's not the investment for you, you may not look at it because it's passive. You may not have an active hand in its operation. So you may not really care as much when you need to care quite a bit. In addition, because it is passive, you may be looking a lot because it's just held in your investment portfolio. You may be over trading this particular holding, which is something you need to be careful about. And we'll talk about that here a little bit later. The second piece is since you don't actually buy the property, you have to trust the fund managers of the REIT are going to make good decisions on your behalf. You have to make sure the fund managers and the fund is providing you what you want. They can pay high dividends, which as we noted before, could be a pro, but it also could be a con. One of the risks to high dividends or distributions is that's additional taxation. We'll get into this here in a second, but 90% of distributions can be taxable. And if they have, and if those are in the wrong accounts, those distributions, like a taxable account, it could be problematic to your tax situation. Another risk or con is high fees. We'll get into, but REITs usually come with very, very high fees. I'll show you an actual REIT example. I won't name the name, but I'll show you the example. The last risk or con that we're going to discuss is the performance is completely reliant on the mortgage market. If you're an equity REIT and you own a lot of property, the mortgage market, whether it's commercial or residential, needs to be performing well. In addition, if you have the mortgage REIT, the mortgages need to perform well. So depending on the yield that's being delivered by those REITs, it could be different types of borrowers and may not be the highest quality. So let's talk about taxation. When it comes to taxation, we discussed before that REITs come in two basic varieties. Depending on which variety, that shows how you potentially make your money. So when you make your money, there's most likely going to be a taxable event involved. Sorry, if you saw that on YouTube, I'll smack and fly away. Sorry about that. An equity REIT owns property, typically commercial real estate, right? It typically makes its money by collecting rent from tenants and from buying and selling properties. Rent from tenants is income. Buying and selling properties is capital appreciation or capital gains. A mortgage REIT, which remember has a lot of mortgages in the underlying package, is essentially a lender. It typically finances mortgage either by finances mortgages either by lending to borrowers itself or buying mortgages from banks. And then it makes its money by collecting payments on those mortgages. 
So they hold the mortgage itself. They usually don't hold the properties and they make their money by collecting on the rents or the mortgage payments. Some of those REITs are hybrid, so they're involved in both. So why does this matter? Because in equity REIT, you're going to get compensation a couple different ways. You're going to get ordinary income. That's money made from collecting rent or mortgage payments. Or you may get capital gains distributions where if they sell an underlying property in an equity REIT, they're going to send some of those gains to you. That's going to be a capital gains tax effect. There could also be a return of capital where they essentially are going to pay you back some of your original investment. But what that does is that reduces your basis, which could create future taxable events. So let me give you an example. Say you invested $100,000 in a REIT. They paid you 5% in income that year. That's $5,000 of ordinary income that you got to most likely pay taxes on. If it's in a taxable brokerage account, which we'll get here in a second. There could be a return of capital, which say there's a return of capital of $1,000. Instead of your original basis of $100,000, now your new basis is $99,000, which basically means in the future, if you sell the property, you have to pay taxes now on anything above $99,000 as opposed to $100,000. It's a very unique situation that you're in when it comes to taxable events. A mortgage REIT, on the other hand, is most likely going to be ordinary income. There could be return of capital and capital gains, but a lot of times it's going to be ordinary income that you're going to have to be concerned about. In general, what happens within the REIT dictates the tax treatment. Capital gains distributions, for example, are typically subject to capital gains rates. All this matters in a taxable brokerage account where most people invest in REITs. If you have this money in retirement plans, I'll talk about this more in here in just a second. This is all tax deferred and whatever happens in there just adds to the balance in your retirement plan, which could be an IRA or 401k. When it comes to return of capital, you have to remember that cost basis matters. So when you sell out in the future, it affects how much in capital gains you will be exposed to. And then if you do have those retirement plans, let's kind of nail this down. Everything that comes out of retirement plans, especially tax deferred retirement plans, is going to be taxable as ordinary income at some point in the future. Unless you have it in a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, it potentially could be tax-free. So this goes back to a lot of discussions that I've had before in some of my previous videos. I'll link some of these below where asset location matters. Having the right assets in the proper account type, whether it's taxable, tax deferred, or Roth makes a difference in how the future tax ramifications will apply to your particular situation. That's why having the right assets in the right location is really, really valuable. So let's talk about how you invest in these. I mentioned a little bit before, but let's just reiterate, you can go to your advisor. Most likely your advisor is on some sort of brokerage platform and they have the ability to buy REITs for you. It's most likely going to come with a cost. We'll actually discuss that here in a second, but you can buy them through your advisor. You can buy them yourself if you're on a brokerage platform, Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, even potentially Robinhood, where you can buy REITs yourself if you're familiar enough and you know the ticker symbol, you can buy them yourself. 
Okay, so let's go over two real world examples. So first is VNQ. It's the Vanguard Real Estate Trust. I mentioned this before. It has a very unusual composition. We're just going to use this as an example. It's going to be our baseline where its composition is built up of a bunch of other REITs. It's got data center REITs, diversified real estate activities, healthcare REITs, hotel and resort REITs, industrial REITs, multifamily REITs, office REITs, real estate development, real estate operating companies, real estate services, retail REITs, self-storage REITs, a bunch of different REITs. So it's highly diversified. It's got 161 different ones. Its return on equity, basically what it's paying out is 7.6% a year. Going back to our tax situation, that could be all taxable to you depending on what count you're in. But do know there hasn't been a lot of capital appreciation. Capital appreciation is when you invest in it, its market price right now is $81.80. If it hasn't grown to say $85 or $90, you have not gotten any capital appreciation where you may potentially sell this investment for more than what it's worth or what you originally purchased it for, I should say, excuse me. The expense ratio on this potential investment is 0.12%. That's very, very low. But Vanguard's known for having low expense ratios. So you got to pay 0.12% every single year to own this fund that goes to the fund manager that's choosing the underlying REITs. But even further, we're going to use a very specific REIT that's come across my desk. It's called the Cantor Fitzgerald Income Trust. Now, this isn't a positive or negative. This is just from their fact sheet, but they have a REIT that's highly diversified, that's performed pretty well, but it has an upfront selling commission of 3%. You invest $100,000, $3,000 just goes out of your account. That doesn't happen with the Vanguard VNQ REIT ETF. There's additional potential manager fees of 50 basis points. There's an ongoing distribution fee that adds up to potentially 0.85%. There are additional advisor management fees if you have an advisor on the account that's 1.2%. And then there's potentially participation fees where you have to potentially give a little bit to be able to participate in the total annual return. This is all notated here. This is the difference where you're not only going to pay on the taxes of distributions of this fund, which I think are about 6%, but you're also paying substantial fees to own this fund. So you have to ask your question, does it actually in the long run provide any additional return or value on your portfolio? It may, it may not, but that's the question you need to evaluate when you're evaluating REITs. I showed you two out of the thousands of REITs available to create a spectrum of what's on one end and what is on the other. So to close this up, we need to find out where this would fit. A REIT usually is a better long-term investment. It's not best to trade in the short term because you don't really know how it's going to function in the short term. You need to ask the question, do you want income or do you want growth? If you want growth, which is usually better long-term and more favorable from a tax perspective, you want to make sure to avoid REITs if you want growth. REITs are better for income. So if you want income, you need to consider a REIT if you need consistent income, but you're not going to get the capital appreciation 
you're looking for. One place that a REIT does fit is it sometimes does have windows of capital appreciation where you buy a share for say $80 and in the future it's worth $100 a share. That helps with the diversification of your investment portfolio. Stabilizing the volatility in your portfolio can help with long-term returns. The next question is how will you use the income? This goes back to our discussion on taxable account versus Roth account versus tax deferred accounts. Having a REIT in a tax deferred or a Roth account is going to be the best place to own that product. If you have it in a taxable account, there will be tax ramifications most likely in that year. So you need to really understand, are you going to be using that income to live off of, or are you just wanting to diversify and build out your portfolio? Putting the investment in the right account is the thought process that you want to have. So the question becomes, is the REIT the best place to go based on what everyone on social media and everyone in this world is saying? No, it's not the best place to go, in my opinion. It's an option and it's a good way to build out a portfolio. I've used REITs often to build out portfolios with certain types of clients, but a lot of times they're not necessary in your portfolio that maybe long-term growth in a diversified equity holding, if you can weather the storm, may be a better option because REITs are less like bonds. They want to say they're bonds, but there's still a lot of fluctuation in the price. So you need to be aware that these function a little bit differently, but can be used in the proper scenarios. Man, that was a lot. That was a lot. We just went over a lot. I hope that helped and I hope that made sense. REITs are a very complex product. Again, hit me with any questions or concerns or any ways that I can help. If you have a REIT come across your desk or someone's trying to sell you a REIT and you want me to take a look at it, please let me know. I will decipher the documents and the fact sheets and the prospectus with you. Just hit me with an email below. If you want to learn more about how to build worry-free retirement income, Go down below, there's a link for a guide, a free guide from my website that you can download very simply and you'll be able to understand how to get worry-free retirement income the proper way. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Functional Retirement Podcast. I can't wait to see you next week. See ya.